Our Old Testament reading is from Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how will be spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him there reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And there followed Jesus, a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they were cru- there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And this people stood by, watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do do you not fear God? And since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
May God's grace, mercy, and peace be with you today and all your days. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's a privilege to be able to bring you God's Word again this morning. And today our message is based on the New Testament reading, one of our readings today from Colossians chapter 1. So if you'd like to turn there in your in your worship guide to that New Testament reading, the epistle reading. And first, a little background information on Colossians. So Paul, the author of Colossians, was writing to the Christian community in the city of Colossae. And uh, a little bit more on that, but uh, a little later. But first, uh, there were a number of issues that he was trying to address uh, to the people in this letter. Um, the dating of this letter uh, was probably just prior, like a year before uh, Philippians, the book that we just wrapped up a uh, study of this past week, uh, with, that Pastor Mueller wrapped up this past Sunday. And uh, so... Uh, Ephesians and Colossians, it's likely they were, they were written the same year. Um, it was about, uh, it was about, uh, 60 AD. And then, uh, Philippians, uh, 61 AD, also from prison in Rome. So the setting for Paul writing these letters, uh, it's believed are all from, from his imprisonment in Rome. So again, something that was bad, God worked for good. Uh, these letters that we still have today, after after so many centuries that guide us also as it guided them uh, then in their life and in their faith. In um, Ephesians, uh, the uh, uh, emphasis was, uh, and the focus was on the church of Christ. So how is this church, the church of Christ, to live together as the body of Christ? Here in Colossians, it's more uh, the emphasis on Christ of the church. Who is Christ? And uh, what is the significance of what he has done for us? This is really the emphasis of the book of Colossians. And it's what, what we're going to focus in on today in, in the reading from verse 1, from chapter 1. Uh, Ephesians focuses on the body of Christ. Uh, Colossians on the head of the body, which is, which is Jesus. Um, like Ephesians, Colossians is divided in half. Uh, the first portion being more of an emphasis on uh, who is God, on doctrinal issues, who is Christ, and uh, that Christ is first and foremost in everything. And then the second half, that the Christian life should be an outflow of that. What does that mean for us? How then are we to live? And so rooted in him, uh, built up in him, dead in him through our baptism, rising with him, alive with him, hidden in him, complete in him, complete in Christ, clothed in his love with peace in our hearts. We are equipped to make Christ uh, first in our lives and to let him be a witness to those uh, around us so they can see his His light as well. So the uh, similarities between Ephesians and Colossians are many. Uh, it's thought they might have even been written at the same time. There are a number of verses, uh, especially in chapter 1 of Ephesians and chapter 1 and 2 of Colossians, that are almost word for word. Uh, so it's possible that as Paul was uh, having the, the first one written, he was, uh, he was also having the second one to the Colossians written. So a little bit of background on, on Colossae. 
Um, so this was an ancient city of Phrygia. Uh, Phrygia is in modern-day uh, Turkey, and it was located on the, uh, the Colossae was on the southern end of this high plateau, and there was a river that flowed uh, in this valley, and so um, Colossae was on the on the eastern end of this of this valley, and there was a trade route that came through the city, and um, the ancient Greek historian Xenophon, who who wrote in the the fourth uh, century, fifth um, and fourth century, described Colossae as a populous city, wealthy and of con- considerable magnitude. The city was well known for its its wool trade, in particular. By the time of Paul, it had decreased in significance. It wasn't as important of a city as uh, the city just to the west, which was Laodicea on the same tra- trade route. And Laodicea is one of the churches that was mentioned in in the book of uh, in in um, the Revelation of John as being one of the centers of the church at that time. And Laodicea became a, a bishopric. There was a bishop who was later a Christian bishop who was later uh, settled in uh, Laodicea. Um, and so this valley is called the Lycus Valley along the Lycus River at the base of, of a mountain, one of the tallest mountains in that area, Mount Cadmus. Uh, this is the setting for this letter that Paul is writing. We don't know that Paul ever visited Colossae himself. There is uh, a mention in the book of Acts that Paul traveled throughout the area of Phrygia. It's possible that he uh, had made some uh, personal uh, strides through the city, but in terms of having a personal um, establishment of the church, it was likely Epaphroditus who was the one who had uh, begun the church there. Interestingly, there were visitors from Phrygia, this this region, uh, perhaps from Colossae, uh, on the day of Pentecost in uh, Jerusalem. So among those who were hearing the apostles speaking in different languages on that day when the Holy Ghost was Holy Spirit was poured out were people from this region, perhaps even from the city of, of Colossae itself. Um, in, uh, in this city, in Colossae, uh, it was known for uh, a fusion of religious influences. So there were, there were Jewish influences, there were also pagan influences, um, and there were Gnostic influences. And the Gnostics were those who, who, who thought they had some type of hidden knowledge. And without this hidden knowledge, uh, you were missing out. And so it was a kind of a secretive uh, group. And this is early Gnosticism. Later Gnosticism uh, developed out of that. But here in uh, Colossae, Gnosticism was one of the uh, issues that, one of the influences that Paul was trying to address in this letter and kind of to root out. It's like, trying to say, you have Christ, you don't need any more than that. And, and that is the emphasis of these, of these verses that we'll be looking at in just a moment. Um, in the first part of Colossians, verses 1 through 12, uh, Paul has heard of the faith and the love of the Christians in Colossae. He's overjoyed that Christ is working in them. His joy is evident as he's uh, writing them. Um, and uh, he writes that he's also constantly praying for them, that they would grow in all wisdom and spiritual understanding and, and that they would walk worthy of the Lord and be fruitful in all good works and increase in uh, not only in the knowledge of God, but in a life lived for God, to be patient and joyful 
in afflictions and trials. And so I think this letter is a good one for us to hear here at St. James, um, uh, that God is uh, overjoyed, you know, just as Paul was overjoyed uh, with the Christians in Colossae, that, that Jesus was working in their midst. God is overjoyed uh, uh, that God is working, that Jesus is working in our midst here at, at St. James and in your midst uh, as an individual who's a part of this worshiping community. And just as uh, Paul is constantly praying for them, um, we're reminded that Jesus is constantly praying for us, that Jesus is earnestly uh, uh, pleading at the Father's right hand, um, that we also would continue to grow in wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we would walk worthy of the Lord and be fruitful in good works, in all good works, and that we too would increase in the knowledge of God and that we also would be patient and joyful in our trials and afflictions. So it's a good, uh, it's a good, uh, letter for us. This introduction, I think, is very applicable to, uh, to ourselves and our situation here at St. James. Just as Paul writes of the love he has for these Christians in Colossae, God wants you to know that he loves you and he is pleased with what Jesus is doing in our midst. He is Overjoyed. All right, let's jump into our, our text. Colossians 1, 13 to 20. Uh, so we, we begin with uh, this, this uh, it's, it's, it, some theologians see this, this passage and the verses that follow it as a, uh, an early creed um, speaking about who Jesus is and the, the way it's written. Um, is as if it, it might have been written in a way that is easy to, to remember, to memorize, and to repeat. So it's possible, we don't know for sure, but it's possible that these verses are part of a, an early creed of the Christian uh, church, and perhaps one that was used even in, in Rome, where Paul was in prison. So he, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Um. The word delivered there has a sense of being rescued, uh, that we were, that we were trapped, that we were in bondage. And now we've been rescued. Someone's come in and rescued us out of this terrible bondage that we were in. Um, and the word, uh, domain has the sense or power has a sense also of authority that, uh, darkness once had authority over us. You were under just as the Colossians were once under the authority of darkness, you also were once under the authority of darkness. Uh, instead of God being your head, Satan was your head. Darkness was your destiny. And God has rescued us out of that authority that darkness had over us. Now, uh, maybe that makes sense to you. You can be like, yeah, I was in that darkness and God has rescued me out of that. Or maybe you're saying, well, I'm still struggling with uh, darkness in my life. I'm still struggling with that authority uh, that uh, sin ha- seeks to have over me. And if that's the case, realize that you are not alone. Uh, all Christians are at the same time uh, rescued, delivered from that authority of darkness. And while we're here on earth, we also struggle, all of us, you and I and every other Christian on the face of this planet, even as Paul himself wrote about uh, at times, 
we wrestle with this authority of darkness that, that once had total authority and dominion over us. But realize also that Christ has broken that dominion. Christ has broken that authority. And we have been rescued from it. So even as you struggle uh, with your various struggles, realize that ultimately that dominion, that authority, that power, that sin and darkness that Satan had over you has been broken. You are released from it in Jesus' name and through what Jesus has accomplished. And Paul is going to go on to explain uh, in more detail how Jesus has done this. Uh, rescued out of the authority of the darkness, and we're uh, uh, transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Um, transferred also has that uh, sense of transported, that we've, we've been carried, we've been lifted, we've been, we've been physically moved from one domain to another domain. And now, what is that domain that we've been transferred to? It's a kingdom, the Greek word basileos. We, we are in a new kingdom, and we have a new king, and we are under a new authority. We have been rescued from darkness, and we have been brought into his glorious light. We have a new life, and that's the message that Paul is emphasizing to the, the Christians in uh, Colossae. Verse 14, in whom, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This word redemption uh, literally uh, has a sense of being loosened, loosened from something. And uh, that being loosened from something ha- occurs how? Uh, through uh, his blood, through the blood of Christ, um, the pardon of our sins, the forgiveness of our sins. This word pardon, or translated forgiveness in our uh, text in the bulletin, has the sense of letting, letting go, letting go from something. So we've been loosened and we've been let go. We've been loosened from... Uh, the dominion of darkness, from the authority of darkness, and we've been let go from our sins. Dear friends, this is good news. This is the gospel. This is the kernel and the core of the gospel message that Paul is communicating. We are, we are in a new era. We have a new life. We have hope where there once was no hope. Verse 15, Paul continues, he, Jesus, he's, uh, communicating who this Christ is, the head of his church. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The word image here, the Greek word is icon, from which we have icon. Um, he's he's, the, he's the, the essence, the image uh, of the invisible God. That which we cannot see uh, has been made known to us in Christ. He's taken on human flesh. He's the image of God himself. You want to see God, look at Jesus. Look to Jesus. The firstborn, uh, the, the, the word here means uh, before brought forth, the one that was brought forth before all else, the firstborn of every creation. Before everything else was, Jesus was. Uh, for John chapter 1 uh, communicates this also that all things that were created were created 
through him. Verse 16, so again, Paul is pointing the Colossians to the preeminence of Christ here. Verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Um, the uh, the Greek in heaven, uh, it's plural, the heavens, in the heavens, and therefore on earth, what is seen, uh, what is visible, that which we can see with our eyes, and that which is invisible, that which we cannot see with our eyes. Um, so reality is not just what you see with your eyes. There's much more to it. There's the whole spectrum of what you cannot see. And Jesus made it all. In, by him, all these things were created. Whether they're thrones, the Greek thronoi, is that the literal word there that we get thrones from? Uh, dominions, or another word, uh, lordships, uh, principalities, sovereignties, uh, powers, authorities. All things were created by him and for him. One of the uh, errors, one of the uh, false teachings in Colossae um, was a, a, an emphasis on angels, an emphasis on the power of angels that kind of somehow contributed to our salvation. And um, here, uh, some theologians believe that Paul is addressing that false teaching, that don't elevate the angels above uh the level that they should be elevated. Jesus created them all. Jesus is the one who is to be elevated above all. Don't put your trust in angels or uh, as, as has occurred in the Roman Catholic Church in his history, the saints. Put your emphasis on Christ. He created them all. Focus on him. Don't let anything else take you away from his preeminence in your life or as many people have, have turned to things like horoscopes or crystals or whatever it might be. Jesus created the stars. Jesus created the minerals. Don't put your emphasis on these things. They're nothing. Put your emphasis on Christ who created them all. Verse 17. Uh, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There was an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, article that I read some years ago that uh, at the core of the subatomic particles, there's a little cross-shaped uh, element. I don't know even how to describe it. Uh, that holds all things together. Um, I wish I had that article to, to refer you to, but uh, it just made me uh, think uh, wow, that something like that is at the uh, core of holding all things together, or holding all matter as we know it together. There, uh, a form that's in the shape of the cross, reminding us that ultimately it's, it's Christ uh, who is uh, by whom all things consist. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in everything he might be preeminent. The church, the, the word for church, the Greek word for church that's used throughout the New Testament, uh, has a sense of those who are called out, um, ekaleo, those who are called out from the world, into, into, called out from the darkness, called out to, to be um, uh, his glorious light. And this word reminds us that uh, it's not we who chose Jesus. Um, it's not we who first made a decision for Jesus long before we ever uh, could even think before we had the ability to, to reason or rationalize, the Bible teaches us that God made a decision for us in sending his son, that God chose you before the creation of the world, that he knew your name, and that he was calling you out from, from eternity to be a part of his family, to belong to his light. If that doesn't make you feel special, I don't know what, what does. Um, so in, uh, in the world, we have a lot of emphasis on self, uh, self-esteem, that if I just uh, think better of myself or if teachers just and parents just speak more positively of their children, um, they will turn out to be better people. There's nothing wrong with speaking well of people. That's a good thing to do. But more important than self-esteem is Christ-esteem, that we find our esteem in Christ. The Lutheran pastor Don Matzat wrote a wonderful book, Christ Esteem, that uh, helped us to, helps us to see it's not in ourselves, but in Christ that we can find our esteem, our worth, our value. When you re- realize and recognize what God has done for you, that is when we fully begin to realize just how truly special we are. Um, our self-worth is only known when we understand our Christ worth, when we understand what he has done for us, the price he paid for us. We were worth it to him. We continue with uh, verse 18. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, as we were talking about earlier, this, this first section, uh, emphasizes who Christ is as the head of the body of his church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Uh, the beginning, the word here, arche, uh, Genesis, anarch, uh, in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew, anarche, in the beginning, in John chapter 1, in the beginning, um, Jesus is the beginning. He is the beginning. If you're trying to find your roots, he's the place to go. The firstborn from the dead, that that word that we heard earlier, uh, the first being brought forth is used here again. He's the first. He's He's the one. He's preeminent. The, the word for preeminence means the before most being, the, 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 the one who, who is before, uh, before the others. He's the one to focus on. And again, as Paul writes to the Christians in Colossae who were wrestling with the, the uh, heresy of Gnosticism, of this secret knowledge, 
that one had to gain in order to, to really know what's going on in, in the universe, um, was saying, no, Jesus is all you need. You don't need anything else. And we see, uh, we see elements of Gnosticism in other uh, developments, um, religious developments that have happened uh, in our more recent eras, uh, like uh, the Jehovah's Witness, which, which begins to claim a different uh, knowledge than what, the, uh, what Christianity has taught uh, from, from the time of Christ. Or the Mormon teachings, that there's a different knowledge. In addition to the Bible, you must have these teachings from Joseph Smith if you really want to know the whole package. These are, these are very similar to the, the uh, heresy of Gnosticism in the early church that Paul is warning the Colossians against. And we too should be warned against anything like that, any kind of group or organization that uh, promotes some type of secret knowledge. That Let that be a warning to you. Stay away. In verse 19, For in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Not just not just a little bit of God, all the fullness of God, which is incredible when you think about it, that in this man who took on human flesh, all the fullness of God was dwelling on earth in him. And when he went to the cross, all the fullness of God went to the cross and died. Did God die? Yes. God in Christ died for you and for me. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, all things, whether on earth or in heaven. And how is all of this done? By the blood of his cross. Amen.